0: What's up guys welcome back today i have a very special guest Caden Grenier who lives in Las Vegas i'm trying to get all my Las Vegas ties and buddies out here i've known Caden since he was just a young lad and uh Bishop Gorman helped coach him over there for one year so Caden welcome and thanks for joining us today yeah absolutely man. thanks for having me so my first kind of impression of you Caden and i i wanted to kind of bring in some stories here with you today because I was able to coach over at Bishop Gorman for just one year. And it happened to be your freshman year. You had just come on to Gorman. And my first time I had ever seen you was that when I decided, okay, I'm going to go coach at Gorman, help out. We, I went over to CSN and you guys were having a scrimmage. And Nick Day, who was one of my best friends, was the head coach at the time, said, hey, you got you to gotta take a look at this shortstop. He's 15 years old. This dude, this dude can play, and I watched <laughs> you, and then you hit a, I think, grand slam that day, right? If, do you remember that? Or your home it was a three-run or a grand slam home run. Yeah, I might not like, remember it, though. <laughs> I was like, all right, this guy can play. So I wanted to bring on Caden, bring you on today, too, because you, you became a first-round pick out of college. You, I want you to kind of walk us through your story as a high school player. Because you also had the chance to sign in pretty high as a high school player and decided to, to not go that route, and went to Oregon State, um, won a national championship, stud, all that stuff. So let's want to go and kind of rewind back to your freshman year. Um, you made varsity, right as a, a, at Bishop Gorman, which is a pretty, pretty awesome feat. That was Joey Gallos' senior year, mm-hmm. so you got to watch that. But one thing that stuck out to me is, number one, your talent when you played. But we've talked before about kind of almost like perfectionism in a way of, of mental toughness in the game. And I remember you were really hard on yourself as a young player. How did that work out for you? And where do you feel like you're at now with beating yourself up a little bit, if you will?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I've, I've always thought has been one of my strengths, believe it or not, is trying to be that perfectionist. and uh and yeah it, it does lead to me to, to beat up on myself from time to time when you know I, I'm errors or, or strike out or stuff something like that but it's like it's been so good for me too because when I'm out taking ground balls or in the cage or something you know me trying to be perfect has I think made me better than me just trying to get in there and just be good or be average or hey if I just hit like six of these good like that's good or if I only feel six moments like well if you only field six out of every 10 in the big leagues, you're not in the big leagues, you know? And so, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, the whole perfectionist thing is definitely 100% uh, the way that I train and stuff. But like like you, you know, as well as anybody, it does, uh, it does get to me sometimes. I do beat myself up because uh, I do want to be perfect in everything that I do. And, you know, when I was in high school, definitely uh, I had a lot of success in high school. And so whenever something did go wrong, it was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it could have been completely uncontrollable but I always blamed myself I was like I gotta do this better and and as I got into college you know my coaches really started pulling me so I go dude like relax like it's okay to make mistakes we know who we like because my my coaches really understood my mindset um they really understood how I wanted to be you know great and wanted to be perfect and so when stuff would happen they'd be like dude like just try to let it go let's work on this let's you know, you got all the, the physical tools, your your swings locked in right now. But next time this happens, let's just focus on on just putting it to the side and, and just being like, dude, whatever, like, I don't care, um, which is very tough for me to do. But uh, I think it's definitely been kind of a, a double edged sword for sure. Um, you know, I think it's helped me a lot. And in a lot of situations, I'm sure that it, it's hurt me because mentally, I've maybe been out of it or something. And uh, it's caused me to have a bad game or or make a bad play or something like that
0: do you feel like but let's talk about your shortstop play which I remember at 15 I remember going I had kind of been a little bit out of the game as far as going to watch games and I was doing other things at that time but I remember coming back and watching just your actions and, and the way you went about things as a young 15 year old I remember I mean, we had a pretty good staff, you know, a couple of former big leaguers. And, like, we were just like, dude, like, this guy can really play shortstop. And to this day, with this, my scouting experience, you, you've been one of the best shortstops I've seen. And I remember talking to your parents. I'm like, you know, because I think your defense, you would say, was a little bit better than offense at the time. And you're starting to close that gap, which has been amazing to see. But I'm like, I'm like dude, you could get to the big leagues on your defense alone right? And I always thought that. But how did you, was there ways that you separated your offense from defense? And did did you ever find that you put them together and maybe you didn't have a great game offensively and that translated to the field? How did that work for you?
1: I've I've always kind of just had the mindset of, uh, I've noticed like my defense always been a little bit stronger than my offense. And sometimes it's a lot better than it. And it's a lot more consistent as it should be. But you know, I have always taken pride in the fact that I can play short or second or third at at a very high level. That's always kind of been able to help me like pick up myself when I do have a bad game offensively, you know, I can go back and go, you know what, this is where I can make my money right here. I can make up for that bad at bat by making a play or something like that. And I always had the confidence that if I had the ball hit to me, whether, you know, I had just struck an out or hit a home run or something, I was going to be able to make that play. So a lot of the times I've I feel like I do a really good job of keeping them separated. So even though I can strike out and, uh, you know, throw stuff and break stuff, and once <laughs> I get out to short and that ball is thrown to the plate or whatever, I'm not thinking about that at bat. And it's it's allowed me to to really use my defense to, to pick myself up when I'm not having those good offensive days. And luckily, I, I don't feel like I have too many really bad defensive days. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad that I have, that second part of the game where if it's not going right offensively or I'm just having a bad day or something when I'm on the field at uh, short I'm like okay you know what this is going to be the good part of the day like you know I'm going to lock it down right now and uh, it, it kind of just elevates everything else.
0: Very nice. When you tell us about you know kind of fast forward to your senior year um, you, had, you had an amazing senior year the draft comes around kind of walk us through what happened and kind of your experience with the whole draft as a high school senior.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously throughout the whole season, you have uh, scouts coming to the house and and talking to me and my my parents, uh, asking questions and sending questionnaires for me to fill out, you know, and all that. Uh, And really the only thing that I was worried about was just playing and trying to win a state championship because I kind of had it in my mind from day one that plan A, was get a scholarship to go play college baseball. And then as everything developed, plan B started to form a little bit, which ended up being signed in the draft, you know? And so I think that was the mindset that really got me to focus on just playing high school baseball at the time and trying to win with my team and not worried about the scouts in the stands and, uh, and who's coming to my house after school that day. And, Oh, am I going to sign for a lot of money out of high school? Like, uh, but it was, it was a lot. And it was every day I was filling out questionnaires for, you know, a little bit every day. And then I was talking to people on the phone and talking to people at, in the house. And you always see scouts at practice and at games and they want you to do, you know, batting practice after so they can watch you hit. And you kind of got to figure out, well, I'm not doing that today. Like I'll do it on this day. You got to schedule all that. But, um, you know, for me, it, it, it was fine. You know, I had, my parents did a really good job of handling and going, look like we don't want people here every single day. So this is what we're going to do. If this guy wants to come this day and this guy wants to come this day, like, so they helped a lot with, with kind of keeping the stress, uh, or kind of keep everything from overflowing and, and my plate getting too full. And uh, so I was still able to academically have a great senior year at Gorman and, um, you know, and then obviously play really well. Uh, Cause I wasn't worried about the draft, um, you know, and then draft day comes around and you know, we as a family had kind of picked out like, hey, going to Oregon State, it's really awesome. And so, you know, we basically picked a number, uh, a signing bonus number and said, look, or I guess I kind of picked it and said, look, if somebody gives me this number or higher, I'll sign with them. If they don't, I'm not going to. And uh, and that's what ended up happening. I got one call on the first day from the Cardinals and they wanted to take me with the 23rd, or the 23rd pick in the first round. Um, but they didn't want to give me the number that I was asking that they had known. And so, uh, basically I just said, no, I'd rather just go to college. You know, I said, and and the thing was, is the tough part was it was pretty close to that number too. Hmm. Um, and, and how I decided, no, I'm just going to stick with what I want to know, even though I, you know, they threw out a a ton of money just like, as an 18 year old, I was like, no, like I I'm sticking with my number. And and I was really proud of myself for that. um, and then the whole, the whole rest of the draft just didn't really go my way. Nobody wanted to give me that, that money. And, um, you know, so I ended up calling coach Casey at Oregon state and said, look, man, I'm coming, you know, uh, and I can't wait to be there. And, uh, so that's basically how my draft, uh, the whole draft process was. And the
0: Cardinals still ended up drafting you right later on. Um, which is awesome to say you were drafted out of high school, and that's sometimes teams do that where they know, okay, he's probably not going to sign, but maybe we're going to pick a spot here, but we still love the kid. We're going to draft him. So that it right. does happen. Now, in, as far as your decision goes, you know, you've had a, some, a taste of pro ball. Was that the best decision you made for you to go to school? 100%, man. After,
1: and I, I always tell everybody this when they ask, like, you know, I, I'm a little bit biased because I had such a great time in college. I had two of the best college baseball teams that ever walked this planet <laughs> in my sophomore and junior year. And I got to go to the college world series twice and I won it once, which is the most yeah. unbelievable experience I've ever had. So like when I say that I would do it 10 times over just the way that I did, I do mean that, you know, but I also had such a great experience that not only did I feel like I was prepared for pro ball when I came out, I was more mature to handle the stresses of everyday pro ball. But I just had such a good time for three years with some of the best dudes that are going to be my best friends forever and had some great coaches. And, you know,
0: I just wish everybody could have the same chance and experience that I did. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. You mentioned that you you felt you were more mature at that time. And that actually reminds me of a story – um, that you and I, when we were together, this was going, this was your senior year in high school and we're, you're playing on the Cardinal scout team here in Vegas and you, you just finished up another great year. And I remember we were at Cashman field and no, that this was actually your junior year because the story yeah. I remember that it was, uh, Nick Quintana, who was another Vegas player that just got drafted. Um, he was a prospect a year older than you in Vegas and younger. Yeah, he was, and he and he had a he had a really good series at Cashman Field. I think he had two homers, and I was coaching first base. I don't know if you might even remember this or not. And he, he I think you, he, he had just hit a homer, and I think you had hit a ground ball, and I think it, which made you like 0 for three for that game, or you got no, you got a base hit, rounded first base, and then you came back to, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to give you that fist bump. And you said something along the lines of like, I can't compete with that. And I think there was a pitching change. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you can't compete with that? And because what you were doing is you were comparing yourself to what Quintana was doing, right? So 17 years old, comparing. And then that was the day that we, you and I actually had a talk because I was a little concerned, right? And I was like, I was like, well, got to have a talk with Cade. <laughs> so we went down the right field line, Cashman Field. I'm like, hey, dude, come follow me. Like, let's just go talk. And uh, you were actually like very open to it. You're like, yeah, dude, just let me, what What am I doing? And I'm like, I don't, I can't remember even exactly what was said, but I was like, hey, dude, stop comparing yourself to what he's doing or what everybody else is doing, right? And do you remember that conversation? I don't actually. To <laughs> <laughs> be honest, bro, I don't remember anything like,
1: like, especially like that. I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me though. If it sounds yeah. about
0: right. But it's but it, it's it's a picture and an image that I had at that time. Of you as a younger kid, and I and I vividly remember telling you, I'm like, "Hey, dude, like you're going to be a draft prospect next year, right? And and we want to see you go out, play, have fun, enjoy yourself, just enjoy the game, you know." And it was kind of along that line, and and you're like, "Yeah, dude, I I can do that," and and to stop comparing myself to so and so, and and so that's why I was I was like, I I think college was probably a great thing for you and it may be a different story if you went to a different program you probably would have done just as well personally but that overall experience of going to Oregon State and being on that team and and that that was just number one it was awesome to see you at the College World Series because I think that's every high school kid's dream I want to go play in the College World Series.
1: No it absolutely should be man the College World Series was the most unreal thing I've ever experienced and uh you know I just couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity I had in college. I had coaches that not only were great baseball coaches but they were great life coaches they They all had this motto of you know they didn't want to build baseball players; they wanted to build the best husbands, the best coworkers, the best family like everything out of a guy and because they all realized, hey, baseball's gonna end. a lot of you guys aren't gonna get drafted. some of you guys will never make it like we just want the best men that we can build and so that was another reason that I was really, i uh, really thankful that I went to college because I learned a lot from from my coaches and and really got a different uh, mindset there and the values that they hit on are some of the ones that I'm really strong on too. So it was it was awesome.
0: Is there are there any particular stories or or thoughts that you learned from those coaches that really stand out to you?
1: I mean, there was there's a
0: lot, man. I mean, Pat Casey's
1: the most motivational, inspirational coach that I think you'll ever find, especially in baseball. And that was one of his main things that he was always into. He always had quotes for us. He always had books that we could read that were all about like, Hey, you guys got it a lot better than a lot of people. We read books on Navy seals on, they want us to read uh, a book on the all blacks, the uh, New Zealand uh, rugby team. I mean, everything that you could imagine i mean we were we were ready to run through a wall a lot of the times when we left our team meetings and a lot of the times those team meetings weren't always necessarily about baseball they were just about hey it doesn't matter what you're doing you know whether it's homework or baseball or you're with your family or whatever like the lessons that we learned in those meetings were just were were amazing and uh and they definitely opened up a lot of our eyes to, to different things that we had never thought about. And when you're able to take life things and apply them to baseball or vice versa, I think a lot of guys got a lot out of those meetings.
0: That's awesome. Well, what advice would you give now that you're... How old are you now? 23. 23, so you got... We got a, a couple of years of pro ball experience already. What would you tell a high school player now Uh, It's maybe some of the lessons you've learned the last few years. How would you relate that to a high school kid?
1: I mean, when I was in high school, I remember
0: playing with some guys that were always super
1: worried about uh, scouts and getting drafted and, uh, you know, oh, I want to go D1, but I'm not getting any offers or, oh, I want to get drafted because I want to play pro ball. And a lot of kids put too much value on going D1 or getting drafted uh, because not everybody's path is the same. You know, I played with some guys that were walk-ons at Oregon State that came from uh, junior colleges, had no scholarship money whatsoever, but they ended up being some of our most valuable pieces and started just about every day. Not because they were top prospects, you know, and and they aren't pro baseball players now, but they, as much as anybody, helped us win College World Series, you know. But it's just one of those things where I think guys just got to focus on – getting their schoolwork done because every college looks at your schoolwork, your grades and stuff, and, and then obviously focusing on just getting yourself better every day and, and the chips will fall where they where they will, you know. And um, I just I hated to see some of the guys that I play with in high school really have lesser careers because I think they were too worried about who was in the stands. And so their performances kinda went on a decline their junior, senior years. And And then those schools that they thought they would be able to get into were kind of like, ah, we don't really want you anymore. The draft kind of was like, no, you're not good enough to get drafted right now. And I think it's just one of those things where you can't focus on those those external things. Uh, You just got to be able to focus on what's inside the lines, what's inside the classroom, and really what's inside your home. You know, being the best son, the best daughter, the best student. You know, and then trying to be the best of your
0: craft as well. Now that you're in pro ball. Your, what's your routine now obviously we're we're in an interesting situation we're being at home but let's say if that didn't happen what's your routine like when you're in the off season getting ready for the for the season
1: yeah no i mean when i get back it's typically like early september and i won't really do anything except for just like stretch until i don't know october so I'll take at least three and a half, four weeks of just doing nothing just to let my body just tighten back up and, and heal itself back up. And and then once that kind of hits around, I'll, I'll start, you know, once you get to like October, I'll start, I don't know, I'll start like golfing, start getting a little bit loose with swinging and stuff. And I'll start getting back into the weight room and doing mobility type body weight exercises, you know, nothing heavy just to get my body loose, more flexible and ready to, to, to pick up the weights when I'm about to. And and so that I'll do for I mean I did that for about a month last off season where it was just body weight mobility exercises four times a week. And then I didn't start I started hitting in I think I started hitting late November this last year, which was a little early for what I had done the previous year. I didn't hit till New Year's, but last year I started hitting like late November, so about a month earlier. And I would do that three or four times a week at least. And then along with the four days of, of lifting and typically it was one or two days of like speed and agility work uh, as well. And I just basically did that until, you know, I, I got ready for spring training and it, it worked great for me. I worked out in the mornings, went to the cage right after and then had the rest of the afternoon to do schoolwork because I'm taking online classes and just hang out and enjoy the off season.
0: So you're still finishing
1: up your degree then? Uh, not quite. I'm um, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> I see, like I would have classes right now, but I wasn't planning on being home. You know, I was planning right. on playing, so I'd be I'd I'd be taking classes right now too. But I'm I'm pretty close. I should be done this next off season, actually.
0: Do you do any of your classes like say this past year? Did you do any of your classes during the season? No, that's just one of those things where
1: it's like I, I don't want to have to get up in the morning and worry about getting a project done before I got to go to the field or waiting like getting home and being like oh I don't want to do homework right now because I just played you know nine innings or whatever it is and it's just one of those things where I would rather just focus on one at a time and with the way that off season set up you have five months of doing nothing so for Oregon State that's one and a half terms so my second term finished up during spring training which is no big deal because it's kind of the same you do everything in the morning you have the whole afternoon off and so I've been I did that for the fall and winter term at Oregon State Online.
0: Okay so on the now on the professional side of things you've you played what a year and a half now is that about right? Yeah that's about right. You've had one at least one full season in right? Yeah a
1: full season and
0: about 45 games on top of that. Okay What was your mentality on going through that first full year and maybe you get through the first half of the year, start getting into like June, July and August? Where were you at, I guess, physically and mentally at those points?
1: Physically, I was doing fine. Physically, your body, your body doesn't feel good when you wake up in the morning. but (laughs) I mean, once you get to the field and you take BP and you stretch, you start to feel a little bit better. So what I'm saying is like you just once you get into the into the field and you start like you stretch out, you lift, you get into BP, you warm up, your body starts to feel better than it does when you first wake up. But you you know that's gonna happen just about every day. Luckily, I've been pretty lucky. And I haven't had too many major injuries. I've strained both my obliques. I did that all last year, but it was one during spring training and one at the very very end of the season. So I hadn't I haven't missed too many games at all. Mentally, honestly, once you get into like end of July and August, you're just like, dude, I, I cannot wait to get home. <laughs> you know, you're counting down the games. You're counting down the, the amount of days until you can till you can leave. But once you're at the field, you still have to take care of business. And so you have to be able to kind of make light of like, dang, like I can't wait to get done. I can't wait to not play baseball. But you get to the field you got to be able to lock in and go, okay, you know what? I still got to do it today. Like I still have a goal to hit. I still want to get promoted. I still want to get better today um and so you kind of have both sides of that going on and um it's just one of those things where it's like hey we all are in the same boat we're all super tired we all want to go home but we all realize that we are still playing for another month and a half so we're going to get on the field and still try to win nobody's packing it up and going home um with 60 games left that's for sure
0: yeah it's interesting how how you get later into the year and your routine at the field, whether it's you know the your cage work, maybe probably extra ground balls aren't happening at that point. You're just kind of going through your batting practice routine. And you're like, whereas April, you might go, oh, I'm t- I'm doing early work as far as my cage work every day. Take me, whether you take a certain amount of swings, and then by the time that end of the year gets, you dial that back as you start to to know your body, and you're like, okay, I need to cut it in half. I don't do it at all. or or I need more. So it's interesting how that that forms year after year as you get older.
1: Yeah, no, I've already noticed it now. Like I've only played one full season, but when you get into those later months, one, it's a lot hotter than it is at the beginning of the season. So you know you're already going to be sweating and you're going to be, you know, just torched and tired at the end of the day. So you just got to do whatever you got to do to make it through those nine innings with everything that you have. And so a lot of times we'll only have half an hour of early work where it's like, we're taking BP today. It's hot and you're going to play all nine. So if you want to get some early swings in, let's do it, but let's do it only for 20 minutes instead of 45 or an hour. Because as you know, and a lot of other athletes know, if you are struggling, the one thing that you want to do is figure it out. Mm-hmm. So if you go over your last 10, you gotta get you. You want to get in the cage and go. Okay, I gotta figure this out. So you're, you'll take 200 swings before a day, <laughs> and and whatever. But then you're just tired. Yeah. And so that works at the beginning of the year, but as you've gotten 200, 250 at bats, you're like, okay, I I need to just <laughs> focus on taking 30 swings instead of 80, and making them really quality, and then I'm gonna go sit in the locker room for. 45 minutes before we go stretch and take uh, batting practice or and then a lot of the times for like during dp like the ground balls and stuff the coaches do a pretty good job of just hey get what you need that's all up to you or the beginning of the season you might be juiced to be on the field juiced to getting ground balls and once you get towards the back of the year you've had enough where those extra five ground balls aren't going to benefit you at all so it's like instead of taking 15 ground balls during batting practice just take you know, six or seven, throw them across, get your arm a little, like get your arm loose that way you get the feel for the game. And then, you know, kick it in the outfield and just relax for a little bit just to save up that little bit of energy.
0: Yeah. Especially for an infielder, you can get, you could take a lot of ground balls. And I remember one of my kind of idols growing up was Cal Ripken. And I heard he, he had a watch on, it was like 10 or 15 minutes. He'd flip that thing on. And then, bam, I'm going to go into my routine. It's got to be this amount of ground balls. And, you know, that's the Iron Man. He played every single game, <laughs> you know, and broke that record and everything. But it's it's interesting how he was a really big guy, you know, playing a, a premium position. There was a lot of effort exuded from, from what he was doing. But he, he just somehow was able to figure that out where some guys are just like, I just need 15 ground balls, five at me, five left, five right. I'm good to go. My arm's loose, and then I'm gonna go shag in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's the one thing that you see. Like, I
1: got the I got the opportunity to kind of bounce up in the uh, between minor and major league camp this year for a couple games, and and you can kind of see the difference of like the minor league routines and the major league guys' routines. Like, yeah, when we intersquad squad on the minor league side, I mean guys are out there mm-hmm. 35 minutes before the the game starts and it's not even a real game, but they're stretching and they're getting ready and they're doing whatever, they're in the cage hitting more, whatever. You go to the big league side and everybody's just strolling out about 15 minutes before the game just (laughs) because they've already done whatever they need to do for the day. And the only thing left in their mind is, all right, I just got to stretch for six, seven minutes, get loose, and then I'm in. And so it's funny to see the guys that are established big leaguers, what they do versus guys that are trying to work their way up.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. It's it, it, it's definitely dialed way back, the higher up you go, because some guys are like, you know, some guys are 10 years older than you, you know, they've been around yeah. forever, and they're like, my body can't handle that. So I go out, or they did a bunch of stretching inside, right, and then they came out, and they just they just kind of move a little bit, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. That's, that's so true. I mean, like I said, especially at the end of the year where it's hot, man, you want to do as much as you can inside before you have to go out there.
0: Yeah. So one, another thing I want to talk to you about where you're seeing a, a, a completely different pattern of, see, when I was in the big leagues or in, the, in AAA at the higher levels and really going through my struggles, I felt like I was kind of on my own planet, if you will, and try to, in a way, just, uh, you just got to figure it out. Now, almost pretty much every major league team has a mental skills type coach, you know, and some have more than one. Tell me about if, if you've had any interactions with maybe the Orioles coach, any experiences with that?
1: Yeah, we, her name is Catherine. She's, she's doing a phenomenal job. It's new. The, we got all new front offices. I'm sure a lot of baseball fans now, the GM and all that are all different with the Orioles now. And, and one of the things that they did do is they brought in a mental skills coach. She puts together these these great PowerPoints and stuff for us now. And we have two or three meetings with her via Zoom, you know, a week and and they're basically all optional, but a couple of them are like on Mondays, it's it's all about mindfulness. So a lot of the times we'll either meditate or we will go through some sort of visualization exercise really to emphasize the fact that we can just be mindful of certain situations and work on things that don't relate to baseball but once again you can relate them to oh i can't sleep at night well let's learn to shut those thoughts off let's learn to to be able to relax and meditate and let's then let's translate to the field and stuff like that and so and it's great because we can text her at any time we can call her uh facetime all that and and if you ever have questions or just need someone to talk to she's always there and she's always got great advice and and great exercises that we can do to, to help you know whatever it is we need to work on. Uh, like you know if you get anxiety, she's got some things where she's like, hey, let's work on the anxiety part of playing today. Let's see what we can do to lower that heart rate, lower the the amount of thoughts going through your mind every second, and, and stuff like
0: that. And so it's been really cool to to just see some of the stuff that she's had us do and taught us. Is there been a, on that anxiety side of it? Is there certain tips or techniques that you could share with us that would benefit the people listening
1: yeah I mean uh, a lot of it is is really like for me I just when I feel like I'm I'm in a spot where I'm starting to get anxious or luckily it doesn't happen too much off the field I just get a little bit on the field because you have those pressure situations and and you're under the pressure you're under pressure to succeed and stuff like that so you start to put more and more pressure on yourself and that's when you start to get anxiety when you're not performing stuff like that and 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 a lot of times for me, that's when I just have to take a step back and just take some deep breaths and just remind myself, like, dude, I'm just playing a game right now. Like, because I've, I've figured out for myself that I can relax myself very well just by breathing, taking deep breaths and just trying to slow my heart rate down and just focusing on my breathing takes all the thoughts that are in my head and just goes away because I can't think oh, I need to breathe correctly, and I'm thinking about, oh, I need to get it hit right here, like, and it's just been one of those things where I've, I learned it in college from Alan Yeager, actually, and it's something that I've taken, and I use just when I'm laying in bed at night, and I'm like, I can't sleep, I'll just instantly go, hey, like, I just need to breathe, focus on my breath, and within five minutes, I'm asleep. And it's just something that's it's really been beneficial. It's actually something that we've talked about with the Orioles too. So it's nice to see those two worlds kind of clashing and and, and uh, having the same ideas of things that work.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's the conscious mind and the subconscious. When when we leap, that's a subconscious thing. It it just happens, right? We don't have yeah. to think about it. So when you when you're laying in bed and you have t- 20, 30 thoughts going through your mind and you're sitting there just telling yourself. God, just stop slow <laughs> slow down and then breathing just brings you right back to that present moment and yeah. it's probably really the number one tool i would say is is being able to breathe get back because when once you breathe and you focus on that those those thoughts the anxiety thoughts which are the fear the fear of failing these are all future thoughts that breathing just brings us right back to that present moment yeah
1: 100 percent I, I uh it's just it's great man especially when you have a bad game or something, and, and with us, our games go until 10, 10: 30. So basically, when you get home, you're ready to go to bed. and so if you can't get the thought out of your head of, "Oh, I played terrible tonight, like, I need to be better, this is what I need to do in the morning." It's just one of those techniques that can get you just to forget all that for a little bit and, and allow your body to just calm down and rest, and, and uh, it really helps.
0: Okay, man, this has been awesome. Are there any other thoughts or ideas that you wanted to share to help any of our listeners? You know, man, I, I, I don't
1: got much else for you. Honestly, I think uh, it's, you know, this has all been really good. And I think, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the guys that you're bringing on are going to have some great stuff that a
0: lot of guys can learn from. Yeah, I, I think personally one of my main goals is to, especially, you know, like you, you have someone to go and talk to if stuff's going wrong. You know, you, you have your parents who are amazing people. You have a lot of people around you that you can talk to. Which the high school kids that we talk with do as well, but right. it's being able to open up about things that, you know, it, you're asking kids to be a little bit vulnerable with, yeah, th- I feel these things, you know, but you, they think it's weird, <laughs> right? They, How do I fix this there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not to get too much into it, but it's it's something that being a psychology major, I study a lot of, of things like that where it has to do with, you know, masculinity and wanting to be tough and wanting to be a real man. And and there's these ideas that have been socially constructed to make it seem like men should not have issues. Men should not talk about their feelings or their problems. And I think, especially younger kids, they get the impression that, hey, if I want to be treated as a real man, if I want to be seen as tough and a real man, I can't have I can't be sad. I can't cry. I can't talk to people about my problems because I need to seem like I got everything under control. And so I definitely think if you're able to, like you said, get kids to open up and be like, this is what's going on. I think if they can get it out, they can get help for something. It can be very, very small, right. but they still might need just one little thought like, Hey, let's just breathe for 10 seconds when you're feeling this way, or let's do this. And all of a sudden they're like, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm, I, you know, I'm able to focus better. I'm able to play better. You know, I think it's just something that it, a lot of kids just have the the wrong ideas of their ideals are messed up. Just and it's not their fault, but uh, it's definitely out there that you know guys aren't supposed to have problems. We're supposed to be the solid ones, and <laughs> and uh, we're not supposed to ever talk about our feelings and stuff. And uh, it's definitely a, a good thing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's cool that you are a psychology major. I'm sure you'll be uh, be able to help a lot of kids as you go throughout your process, and I'm sure you'll be asked a lot to go speak at schools and stuff. And you know, because you're going to get to the big leagues, dude, and you're going to have to have to talk to a lot of people. <laughs> no, I hope so, man. I,
1: I that's that's one of the things I want to do. I'd love to go back to you know my old elementary school, my old middle school, back to Gorman one day, and hopefully they want me back to to talk to kids. You know, cause one, that means I did something right. I've been successful, something like that, that people want me to go talk to their kids cause they think I can help. But just having conversations like this, you know, it's, it's what I studied. I love psychology. I love the mind. I love thinking. And, you know, I, I really want to be able to motivate kids, inspire kids and, and help them. Even if it's one kid gets one thing from one of those talks, you know, you're doing something good. So
0: love to be able to do that someday. No doubt. So I'm assuming you have like an Instagram, Twitter, where can people find you and follow you at? Instagram, I'm at KDYN2. Uh, it's, you know,
1: I'm verified on that. I'm verified on Twitter, which is KDYN2 and then CADYN, you know, or you just search up my name, you know, Caden and Grenier, and, and I'll come up, you know, and I don't post a ton, but if you want to see me cook, I do that a lot, you know. Nice, nice. Um, but no, I—that's uh, why I like. I, I always love when kids, uh, kids in high school, kids and stuff. They'll DM me questions. Um, you know, hey, is there any, is there any particular thing that you do to do infield work or something like that? And, uh, yeah. and I always love to get those because I love to be able to just kind of hash it out with kids. And I'm no expert on anything, but I do feel like I've I've done enough, especially baseball-wise, to to be able to help somebody out in some way. That's awesome, man.
0: Plus they can see all your fine tattoo work. I've noticed you've been, you're getting your sleeves all taken care of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. This
1: one's about done. I just got to fill it in this spot, but obviously everything's shut down. I can't right now. And then, you know, I haven't even thought about doing the top of this one yet. So I, uh, I can't wait, but I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, it actually, it takes a lot out of me, man. I, 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 i sit on the bus rides and stuff for hours and just think about what i can put where what i want what i you know will this look good with this and when i'm 80 am i still gonna like that
0: it's like (laughs) no probably not it's like all right then we're not getting it that is what it is right are you are there certain stories that you like you think in your mind okay this happened in my life so i got to get this on my arm type thing or does it just kind of come to you uh
1: that's that's really only happened but my first one
0: is the one right here on my forearm
1: the cross, and it's got the initials rs that was from my grandfather who passed away several years ago so it was like i've always wanted a tattoo and so i was like you know what this is perfect i can you know get a little memorial type tattoo for him and then it's just kind of blown up where now i have you know a phoenix on the outside of my forearm with the quote, I am the storm, you know, if anybody knows the quote, you know, the devil whisper in your ear, you're not strong enough to withstand the storm. And then I whispered back, I am the storm, like stuff like that. Obviously all this is Vegas stuff minus the skull, which born and raised in Vegas, love Vegas. You know, I, I, uh, I, I don't think I've could have grown up in a better place with the neighborhood and I had and stuff. And, and so a lot of that goes into it. And, but you know, I'm sure more things will happen throughout my life where I'll be like, Hey, you know, that would be a sick tattoo, and it could really make me remember, uh, you know, remember this moment or remember this situation, and and you know how that made me feel or what the experience was like.
0: Sweet. Well, awesome, dude. Well, I appreciate you coming on board. I I knew you would have a lot of a good insight for us. You got that uh the hot prospect type mentality going on, and we fully expect you to to be in the big leagues in a couple years, hopefully sooner than later. Expecting a lot of big things, man. It's gonna be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I sure hope so. I'm expecting a lot of big
0: things too. So, uh, we'll <laughs> see if I can come through with those. All right, man. Well, hey, Kaden, I appreciate your time and take care. And we'll see you
1: all right. Yeah, anytime, Chad. Thank you, man.
0: You bet. Hey, guys, hope you enjoy that conversation with Kaden Grenier. Kaden, I think, is gonna be an outstanding big leader, just an amazing kid, a very hard worker. But if you guys feel like you need more information and you want some more help, in regards to helping your, your son, your daughter, and just getting some mental skills. And what you want to do is go to mentaledge.training. It's where I developed a personal development course, and it's a mental skills course as well, kind of all tied into one. So if you're interested in that, go take a peek at mentaledge.training. Thanks. We'll see you.